Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. We are a wrap on the 2021-22 NFL regular season. It is time for the playoffs. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here as always with Raheem Palmer. Ready to wrap up an absolutely berserk week 18. We had three overtime games today, all three of them with playoff hopes on the line from multiple teams and in most cases, wild and crazy finishes all day long. I thought that it couldn't get any better or crazier than my afternoon. Late afternoon, I had money line underdogs on the 49ers and the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Managed to hit all three. And then we got an even crazier game in the one tonight. So we're going to talk about all of it. Raheem, we made it. We're at the playoffs. Did you ever think we'd survive and get this far? Oh, not not at all. I mean, this was the craziest week 18 I've ever seen in my life. Of course, we haven't had a week 18, but it did not (laughs) disappoint at all. Like you said, three overtime games. It's just you got to love having an extra wildcard team. I know this is the second year with just one bye week, but it's added some extra excitement. So I'm excited to break into these NFL games yeah. and the playoffs start next week. Plus two extra games next week. Our first ever Monday night playoff game coming. So, you know, we, I think we all complain a little bit when these changes come out, but we're here for the crazy. So no Monday night preview this week. Obviously the regular season was a wrap. We got college football championship game Monday night. You read all about that at the action network. We got that covered in depth for you. We, of course, will talk about the playoff picture later, and we'll do a hot read for the wildcard round. Uh, of course, odds today from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Let's get into some of those games, and where else could we start but that bonkers Sunday night game, winning your end playoff game, unless, of course, you just both tie and knock out the Steelers and end Big Ben's career watching from home on the sidelines. We made it all the way to zeros on the overtime clock. And then the Raiders field goal sailed through. No tie, no Steelers knocked out. Raiders 35, Chargers 32. 
We've got a lot to say on this one. Where do we start, Raheem? I think you start in the first half. The Chargers just, it felt like they weren't prepared to play this game. The Raiders come out, they're hot, and they're in a brand new stadium, and they got fans that are playing for a playoff berth for the first time in Vegas history. They come out, they get the, they drive down, get the field goal. Chargers get it, and they really just couldn't protect, and they punt. Raiders, Raiders get the ball back, they punt, but then the Chargers fumble it. They, they month the punt return. Raiders score a touchdown, and then the Chargers are down 10 nothing right yeah, before and, they know and, it. And hold on, because Chargers are down 10 nothing, but it should have been worse already. On the first drive, the Raiders go deep to the tight end. He's streaking for the end zone, and Nasir Adderley strips him inside the five. Otherwise, if he's like a, a split second faster, that's a touchdown. Next drive, so they get the field goal there. The next drive, again, Derek Carr drops back. Zay Jones is wide open, and Carr just overthrows him on a bomb for another easy touchdown. And then they get the touchdown after the fumble. It could have been 21-0 in the first quarter, and we just got no game. And instead, they left the door open. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the Chargers, they battled back, and it looked like they were they took, they took had taken control of the game. And you got a third and 23, and the Raiders were just conceding right before half time with 56 seconds left they run the ball pick up the first down <laughs> and then next thing you know Derek Carr's throwing a bomb and the bomb the, the pass is nowhere near the receiver the guys hold him in the end zone they call pass interference give the Raiders a free seven points and it felt like the Raiders really never looked back they had the, the charters on their heels from then on yeah that that was brutal a brutal call I mean the very definition of uncatchable yeah, like you said, just a gifted seven points. That third down conversion, Jalen Richard had a couple really big plays on third down to come through for the Raiders. So the Chargers had the lead. The Raiders get the lead back. We come out of the half, and it's Brandon Staley time. The Chargers have the ball deep in their own territory on fourth down. Before that, on the first possession of the second half, the Chargers drive down and miss a field goal. So it's just like we had more of the Chargers special teams woes. And then obviously the next possession, Brandon Staley does what he does. He's a gambler. I don't know what it is about people named Brandon, but they like to gamble and go all in. (laughs) That's what we do. That's what we do. I I didn't hate it. This is what the Chargers have done all season. This is like, they're not even here fighting for the playoffs if they don't do this in many other spots. I don't think it's fair to fault the decision there. We'll have more Staley. I I wasn't mad at the decision. I was mad at the play call. I think you got a big quarterback. You got to sneak it there. There's no point in the way way your offensive line was getting dominated in that game. You got to sneak it there. There's no reason to give it to your running back in that situation. Agreed. So the Chargers get the stop. Big stop for the defense. So the Raiders only get three out of that failed fourth down. So it's 20 to 14 very normal game for the most part everything is fine fast forward a little bit the Raiders go up 12 and at this point Adam Schefter tweets out the Steelers are feeling pretty good because we know that if the game ends in a tie since the Colts beat the Jaguars we'll come back to all that later if the game ends in a tie then the Steelers are knocked out if anything else happens if anyone wins this is a playoff game one team goes on one goes home the Steelers are in The Steelers have already celebrated. Mike Tomlin is dancing in the locker room. The Raiders are up 12. You can't end on a tie in a 12. 12 is safe, right? Then the Raiders get a field goal to go up 15. 
and the math starts clicking in your head. Brandon Staley going for two. You know we're a couple scores and a two away. And then it starts getting interesting. So where do we go from there? We go from there. It's just, I mean, the Chargers are in desperation mode. They threw an interception, which led to the field goal to make it 29, what was it, 29-14. Um, so they're down, four, they're down 15 points yep. in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert and his Chargers offense, <laughs> they ran good on, on third and fourth down all year. But this is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. It was like comparable to watching Chris Tucker at the at the crap tables and rush hour go on a heater because I've never seen anything like that. I mean, they literally converted six fourth downs on one of the on the first drive, including a fourth and 21 in order just to make it a game to where they can have an opportunity to, to move it within seven points. Of course, they get the two-point conversion. They make the stop. And actually, they, they, kick, they kick it off to the Raiders. Raiders get the ball back. Derek Carr fumbles it. It looks like oh, the Chargers man. are actually going to have the ball in, in Raider territory. Chargers defender. Raider territory, like inside the 30. Yeah, yeah, it looked like it was at the 20. And they, you have a, a Chargers defender hops on it but he doesn't get it. The Raiders get it. And the Raiders end up punting it. And you just have another long drive. <laughs> and it just was one of the most yeah, incredible so, performances I've ever seen. So that late drive. So the Chargers get it back now down seven. And we're like, okay, two minute drive. Spoiler alert, not two minutes. Two minutes of football time. 23 minutes of human time. Ran off the clock. 19 plays, 83 yards. I swear Herbert must have converted like three or four fourth downs on that one. It felt like it, it honestly, it felt like just spike the ball three times and get to fourth down. That's the only dry play that matters because kept coming to it. They had another fourth down converted, I think on a penalty that gave them another chance there. They just, it kept coming down to, okay, one last play Oh, we converted the Chargers still alive. And we had a bunch of timeouts. We had a couple injuries. We had a review with 12 seconds left. And finally, the Chargers get into the end zone. I thought Brand Staley might go for two and for the win. Clearly not the decision right there because we know that you can tie and make the playoffs. So I think pretty clear you don't do that there. They kick it. Even that, I wondered what the Chargers special, wouldn't it be just the Chargers to do all that, come back, get the six and be down one and then miss the extra point. And that's how the season ends. That would have been a very Chargers ending. But it turned out we had an even more Chargers ending. So we go to overtime, and now it's seriously in play. Will this thing end in a tie? And Steelers fans are getting real nervous. Yeah, I mean, we go to overtime. The Raiders get the ball first. And the interesting thing is Carr didn't have to do a lot of work in order to get them up the field. Josh Jacobs breaks a long run for 28 yards. Then he breaks another one for 18 yards. And right away, they're in charge of territory. It, it feels like the Raiders are going to win it. They stop Jacobs. You get the pass to Zay Jones. He pushed out of bounds. And then you have the incomplete pass to Darren Waller. And they're kicking a field goal. So at this point, I'm thinking the Chargers offense has been on the field for so long. They've been rolling. They're just going to drive it up the field. Of course, they get the ball. They have a, a big pass play on first down to get it to the Vegas 44 for 31 yards. You got the penalty on the Chargers offensive line, ineligible downfield. That backs it up. Of course, what does that lead to? Another fourth down. <laughs> they convert the fourth down to Mike Williams, get it to the Vegas 27. It feels like the Chargers are going to score at that point, but 
They, they go three and out at that point and end up having to kick in a field goal. So the tie is really in place at that point. Now, now, now we're down at like four minutes. So now it's like, okay, it, it is genuinely plus EV strategy for both teams at this point to just run into the middle, tackle each other and kneel the ball out and go home. We both go to the playoffs. Like just to be clear, you should be playing not to lose at this point. Your job is to get your team into the playoffs. You can get your team into the playoffs by not losing. You don't have to win. You should be playing not to lose. So the Raiders have to be careful because they can't trust that that's what the Chargers will do. So they come out aggressive. They get a couple of passes. That's good. They're not necessarily going all out for the win, but you can't risk getting pen deep and punting. And now the Chargers are already at like the 50. So they get a couple first downs. Now we get basically at the two minute warning and we're right around midfield. We're nowhere near field goal range. I think we're at the 45 in Chargers territory. You're, you can't kick a field goal from there. Daniel Carlson's not going to do it. And the Raiders, by all means, look like they're just going to run it right in the middle and we're going to tackle each other. And this is how Big Ben's career ends. Like, what a story after 18 seasons. Big Ben watches these guys run in the middle and that's the end of the career. And then the Brandon Staley timeout happens. What'd you think about the Staley timeout? Is that a thing for you? I think we got to go back a little bit because the play of that drive was the pass to Zay Jones. It's probably one of the best passes I've seen Derek Carr make throughout his entire career because that came with two, two minutes and 22 seconds left in overtime. And that brings us to the two-minute warning. So you have right. a Josh Jacobs run. He gets stopped for a negative one, one yards. Then you have the Josh Jacobs run to the Chargers 46 for seven yards. And that's when the Raiders are like pretty much running down the clock. For me, look, it's, it's tough because obviously you have a struggling run defense. You don't necessarily know if the Raiders were planning just to run out the clock. And when you look at the Raiders kicker, he hasn't missed. He hasn't missed a, a field goal in that, in that stadium ever. So to me, I kind of looked at it like the Raiders were going for it at that point. Obviously, they did have some incentives, incentive to play for the win because they don't want to play Kansas City on the road. Like, I mean, who wants to go and deal with Mahomes on the road, especially with the way the Chiefs have dominated them? So I don't know. I, I think Twitter is kind of making too much of it. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the time, you know, the time on happened with 38 seconds left. Like, if the Raiders just want to get, just kneel it out, they can literally take a knee and run 40 seconds off the play clock. The game is over. Like. The, 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 the timeout did not stop that possibility from happening. And, I, you know, it's, easy, it's fun to fictionalize it and say, oh, well, they called the timeout and it made the Raiders think twice about it and decide, you know what, screw those guys. Let's go knock them out. I, I don't think so. You're trying to get your team in the playoffs. Like you said, a tie puts the Raiders as a seven seed. Now you're on the road in Kansas City. A win, they're in Cincinnati now. Let's not be crazy about it. You want to play Cincinnati, not the Chiefs. That's a pretty easy decision that any team makes right now. So, yeah, there is incentive for the Raiders to win. And let's be honest, these are professional athletes. You've played your entire life to win games. You want to win. You want to knock out your division rival. They play these guys twice a year. This is not a team that wants good things to happen to the Chargers. You want to get the win. They had a lot of incentive to get the win. And... I think, too, the Staley timeout didn't cost them. The Chargers' run defense cost them. Yeah, It's not like the Raiders came out and did something crazy. They ran it into the middle again, and the Chargers, all they had to do is just stop it. But instead, it's first down the 45, and they gave up like a 7- and a 10-yard run. 
Now we're in field goal range. Now they kick it. At the 45, you're not kicking it. Run once or twice. Chargers stop them for a yard. The Raiders are running that clock out, and the game is over, and you're in the... I think they would have kicked it from the 45. I, I well, really I mean, do. Yeah. I truly believe that they had no problems kicking it. A 60-yard field goal in that arena, it's not, it's not out of the question. I mean, we, we've, sure. we've seen it. I felt like we got in field goal range. We're going to run down the clock. And the worst case scenario is we missed the field goal or we're, we're going to the playoffs regardless. I agree, but a 62-yard field goal versus a 45-yard field goal. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. At the 62, but that's a pretty huge swing. And that's, that's not on Staley. That's on the run defense. We talked about it all season long. Chargers had their worst run defense in the league. Everybody in the world knew that the Raiders are running right there. All you got to do is make a tackle and they're just going to do it. Yeah, I think that that's really what it comes down to is the defense just didn't play well enough to win this game. And as, as much as just Justin Herbert put the team on his back, I felt like the better team won on this day. Like when you look at everything that the, the Chargers did, I mean, obviously, look, the Chargers had 10 penalties for 108 yards. When you look at one of the most penalized teams in the league, it's the Raiders. They only have four penalties for 38 yards. They controlled the time of possession. It's just I felt like the Raiders came out and played a better game today. I mean, when you look at rushing yards, 174 to 85, that tells it. I mean, in the playoff like like atmosphere, you got to be able to run the ball and you got to be able to stop the run. And that's something the Chargers couldn't do. I think Justin Herbert played to me. He's I already have him top five. So I, I think this yeah. this game, even being that close, said a lot about him. But, I mean, you had a, a ton of drop balls from the Chargers. They just didn't play a good game. And I think the better yeah. team won today. Two turnovers for the Chargers, none for the Raiders. Five first downs that the Raiders got on Chargers penalties. Chargers couldn't stop the run. Four of 18 on third downs when they had the ball. Herbert is the only reason that they even hung around in this game. You mentioned six of seven on fourth down, four of four in the red zone. There are a lot of scripts for the way this game started and played out where the Raiders, this is never in doubt. And, and the Raiders should have blown out the Chargers from the start and kind of let them hang around, let the Chargers come back. And then uh, yeah, I think you're right. The right team won. Chargers are done. It's heartbreak. I know it's hard to hear, but for Chargers fans, this wasn't the year. This was the stepping stone year. You'd love to get a playoff game. The Chargers could have been live. You know, this is a wild playoffs. Uh, but there, this is a flawed team. You need a run defense. You need the right side of your offensive line. This was the year before the year. It's Staley's first year. It's Herbert's sophomore season. This team's not going anywhere. That you know, Herbert is going to be around. They're going to build off of this. This will be a little motivation for next year. They'll certainly be a team. I'm sure that I'm guessing you and I will both be high on this team going to next year, higher than the Raiders, I think. But this is the breaks this year. The Raiders are the ones still playing next week. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it was a great game. Probably one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean, look, I, I'm just super excited to see. I, I wonder if the Raiders are actually going to have anything left next week. Yeah, they, they've had the Raiders had so many games like that, too. I th That's the fourth overtime, I believe, and they're 4-0 in those. They just keep pulling the wins out of nowhere. Somehow they did it. We went like 15, 20 minutes on that game, but that was a wild one. I think it was worth the time. Let's rewind a little bit earlier into the afternoon. I thought we were going to get some wild NFC West action. We got some wild NFC West action. So the other really good game today, really wild. You thought it was a wild and crazy game before the night even got there and then made it seem like nothing. Niners Rams, the Rams go up 17, nothing right off the bat. They score in their first three drives. 
Jimmy Garoppolo starting, but looking injured. Trent Williams, the stud left tackle for the Niners, is a late scratch. I was big on the Niners. I talked them up. I had an article up on Action Network, bet the Niners futures for NFC, bet them for the Super Bowl. They're basically out at this point because the Saints are rolling. If the Saints win, the Niners lose. The Niners eliminated 17-0. John McVay is 43-0 with the halftime lead. And it's 17-3 at the half. The Niners come back in the third quarter. Niners come back in the fourth quarter and somehow pull off the win in overtime. I was on a heart attack for like an hour and a half watching this game. I don't know how the Niners hung around in here. Where, what did you make of this one? I actually took the Rams once I found out about the Trent Williams injury. Like I, I just felt like this was a bad spot for the 49ers. Obviously, this line got pushed all the way down to three and a half. And I'm like, you know what? It's a good spot to take the Rams. And at halftime, I feel great about it. And in the second half, it just totally turned around. You saw the 49ers offensive line actually just dominate. And it just felt like they had complete control over the game. It felt like the Rams, like it felt like both the offensive line and the defensive line for 49ers just dominated. It just felt like the Rams rarely ever had the ball. It just felt like they were running the ball down their throat with both Debo Samuels and Elijah Mitchell. And Jimmy Garoppolo was just, making big plays. I mean, big-time plays. They tied a game 17-17, and right before they tied it up, I actually grabbed some 49ers money line. And, you know, like for me, um, I'm like hoping I don't get middle because the last thing you want is the Rams to win by three and the 49ers to lose. But I just was so confident in the way the 49ers were, like, dominating the the game that I felt they they had this under control. And they're driving down the score – and Jalen Ramsey probably makes one of the greatest interceptions I've ever seen. It appears as though the Rams, they're going to take control of this game. They drive down, score. Matthew Stafford probably makes two of the biggest throws that I've seen him ever make. They score a touchdown. It's 24-17. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at it and saying, you know what, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to lead this team to a touchdown, 80 yards, 88 yards in a minute and less than a minute. and he got it done. Yeah, Garoppolo got it done. I agree. I, I had a big position on the Niners. I had the Niners cover. I had the Niners money line to win this one. I had Niners futures. When that Trent Williams news came out, I had a sick feeling in my stomach. That That is not a big position I want anymore. But I, I had no real way out at that point. I, I'm in too far. That's got to hope for the best. 17 nothing. I'm like, we're done. This is done. The Williams injury just didn't go. From 17-0 forward, it's like the Rams just thought it was over and took their foot off the gas. That offense that scored the first three drives, the Rams only had 123 more yards the entire rest of the game after that. And 92 of those yards came on that one touchdown drive you mentioned. They had seven first downs the whole rest of the game for those on the touchdown drive. And his, you know, Stafford made some good throws. Cooper Cup was huge on that drive too. Cup was really the big, you know, the big name. He had a 30-yard catch. He had the touchdown catch. He had an 18-yard run. Yeah, the Jalen Ramsey interception is I'm, I'm starting to finally feel good. Okay, the Niners are tied. We're driving. They're in control. And then I think that what they got tipped like three times and somehow Ramsey makes the catch. And yeah, it the, the numbers, when you look at this at the end, the Niners finished with 449 yards to 265 for the Rams. 6.7 yards of play for the Niners which is really a pretty strong echo of what happened the first time these teams played. The score is very different. The Niners, I think, won 31-10 in that one. 
But really, the Rams picked up three first downs on penalties. They were three or four in the red zone, 10 of 17 on third down. They were kind of smoke and mirrorsing their way into staying into this game. The, the numbers, the underlying numbers and the yardage and some of that stuff shows a 49ers, like a dominant win here. And, you know, it's interesting. This was another spot where I noted we're, we're deep in overtime. If the Rams tied the 49ers here, that was, again, I don't know how we managed to get this twice in one day. The Seahawks had already beat the Cardinals at this point because it went to overtime and that game ended. So the Rams have clinched the division. A tie is just as good for the Rams as anything else. And a tie gets the Niners into the playoffs. But what's interesting is this. I think the Rams are actually lucky that they lost here. If they get the tie, then they play the Niners again next week. And we just pick this game up right where it left off. That's not going so well for the Rams these days. I think the Niners have beat them six times in a row now. You don't want any part of playing the Niners again. By losing, they drop to the five seed and get the Cardinals. I feel much better if I'm the Rams playing the Cardinals the way that they're reeling right now. So I think this actually could kind of work out for the Rams in the long run. I can totally see that. I think one thing I really want to comment about this game is that you got to see the issues with the Rams not having a consistent running game. and. Obviously, they did. They get Cam Akers back, but he had just five carries for just three yards. Sonny Michelle, yeah. 21 carries, 43 yards. When you have a lead in the playoffs or a playoff-like atmosphere, you need to be able to run the ball. The Rams just had 64 rushing yards for 2.4 yards per carry. Where You look at the 49ers. That second half, they controlled the clock. 135 rushing yards, 4.4 yards per attempt, and you see what happens when you have to put it all on Matthew Stafford. You get those interceptions. You had the, the, the back-breaking interception in overtime. And it's like you got to be able to run the ball. And I think that's a concern for the Rams going forward. But I think the run game was big for the 49ers. I agree. We talked about the Niners here. We like them in the spot because of that run game and the run defense, too. It's not just the Rams. The Niners have, I think, the number two DVOA run defense. So that, that, that showed up in this game. That is why I like the Niners as a playoff sleeper. So we'll come back to that on the playoff picture. So as that game is wrapping up, Seahawks Cardinals are playing in Arizona. Cardinals can, if the Cardinals win and the Rams lose, the Cardinals get the division and the home game instead. So, so okay, the Seahawks win 38 to 30. Uh, Cardinals got a late field goal, but couldn't close the deal. This is another weird, weird game. Second play of the game, the Cardinals return a fumble for a touchdown. And at this point, Again, I got Seahawks money line. I got 49ers money line. At this point, I'm feeling like, all right, I'm out. Like this, this afternoon is going to just be a bust for me. The Cardinals are already up seven, nothing. Trent Williams is out and the 49ers are getting rolled. But later in the game, we have two more weird short field touchdown drives. We have a, a, a punt where we bobble the punt the, by the punter and the Cardinals uh, give it to the Seahawks for an easy touchdown. We have a Russell Wilson interception that gets returned to like the one and a Cardinals touchdown. And just these weird back and forth plays after the fiasco with Denver on Saturday, 24 hours later, we have Cliff Kingsbury down seven with six minutes left, taking a field goal and ending a 14 to play 67 yard drive. The Cardinals had a 19 play 66 yard drive for a field goal. Somehow that didn't get in the red zone after 19 plays. And Rashad Penny had the late breakaway touchdown and Seahawks got the win. 
I think these teams are basically about equal. That's what I thought going into the game. And that's about what this one looked like to me. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I mean, look, we spoke about it before. Cliff Kingsbury, he, he struggles at the end of these seasons. And it's, it's really unfortunate. But this team has really not been the same team that we've seen at the beginning of the year. And before week eight, 15, five and one, now with this loss, they're nine and 20 after week eight. And when you combine his time at, at Texas Tech, weeks one through seven, he's 42 of 20. When you look at week eight onward, he's 17 and 44. So for whatever reason, I think teams start to figure out this offense. And obviously when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, in the lineup, you're not as explosive. And the one thing that, I mean, I'm not one of those guys who says you got to establish the run, but if you have a poor run defense, there's going to be teams who will be able to exploit that. And obviously the Cowboys weren't able to exploit that last week, but the Cardinals run defense, they're still 17th in rushing success rate, allowing 39.9% of rushing plays to great eye is successful. And they're dead last in explosive run play rate. So when you looked at Rashad Penny, what he did today, he had 23 carries, 190 yards, and one touchdown. And then he had pretty much the game-breaking 62-yard touchdown, which iced the game. I think this Cardinals team is in a bad way. I actually think it's fortunate that they're playing a Rams team, yeah. which can't run the ball. It's, it's, it's so funny. You know, you mentioned that the Rams were fortunate to play them, but I think both of these teams are probably fortunate to play each other. I agree. We as batters are unfortunate that they're playing each other because I was ready to fade both of these teams into oblivion against basically any other matchup. Instead, they're against each other. I don't know what to make of it because, I mean, it's going to be a fun Monday night one when we get there. But yeah, I'm ready to be out on both of these teams. Sean McVay's offense is faded down the stretch yet again. Cliff Kingsbury, the Cards are losing four or five right now. Uh, Kyler Murray, negative EPA per play today. Took five sacks. James Conner left hurt. I don't know what's going to be his status. We don't know if J.J. Watt will play. We don't know if Dander Hopkins will play. It's a rough spot. I guess, yeah, the good news is that the Rams or Cardinals have to win. There is no ties in the playoffs. One of those teams gets to make in the second round. You never know. There's a lot of talent on both these rosters. We saw the first half of the year how good they can be. So maybe if you want to be an optimist about your NFC West teams here, one of them has to win. Maybe you get that first win for either Kyler or Stafford. Stafford's never got the playoff win before. Kyler hasn't been here yet. Maybe you get that first win, get a little confidence, get that offense rolling again, and then maybe you're alive after that. We know the other NFC teams are flawed as well. So, you know, it's, it's nice that they get to luck into each other and get a chance here. One team that will not be in the playoffs, though we certainly gave them our chances, is the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts are our stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Because holy cow, did the Colts blow it. 14-point favorites against the terrible, awful Jacksonville Jaguars. All the Colts have to do is just beat the Jaguars. They don't have to cover the spread. They don't have to make it look pretty. They just have to beat the Jaguars and make the playoffs. And quite frankly, probably are a team that you and I both are feeling pretty good about as a sleeper. The Colts are good. They're a good team that should be in the playoffs. And they can do it. The Jaguars didn't just win. They dominated. The Colts just completely laid an egg here. 26-11 Jacksonville. 
And it wasn't even that close. The touchdown came late. Jacksonville basically held them to a field goal for most of the game. Plus 625 on the money line for a huge upset win. Obviously covered the 14. And also got to point out here a couple weeks ago, as you shouted out on Twitter, Colts plus 1000 to miss the playoffs. We knew going into that Raiders game for the Colts. They got the COVID outbreak. It was a risky. What happened if they lost the Raiders? Would they be live here? They missed the playoffs here, and I think they have no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, I think they had no one to blame but themselves, but I think they caught a raw deal at the start of the year. Obviously, he had Carson Wentz. He went down with COVID to start the year. And, I mean, I'm not going to comment on his vaccination status, but that had a lot to do with it. And then, obviously, he had the foot injury where he missed the entire preseason. So it, it felt like they basically started the season with one hand tied behind their back. And they spotted every other AFC team a three-game lead because yeah. Carson didn't really get going until week four. And obviously by that time, you start to see that they're pretty much dominating or winning in every game going forward up until they had another COVID outbreak against the Raiders. And, you know, you, look, you go back and look at the game against the Ravens. They probably should have won that game. You look at the game against the Titans, the second game against the Titans. At home, they should have won that game. They had a 14-point lead. You look at the game against the Buccaneers, they had a double-digit lead in that game. So that three-game, those three games that they lost at the start of the year ended up being huge. And then obviously, you have the COVID outbreak right before the Raiders game, and the Raiders were playing some good football, as we see now. That set them back. And then they're playing a Jaguars team. For whatever reason, we've had multiple incarnations of the Jaguars. We had multiple incarnations of the Colts. They haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. You had them go into Jacksonville last year as seven-point favorites in week one with Phillip Rivers. They still lost. So I don't know if there's like a Haitian voodoo dial going on in (laughs) Jacksonville right now with the Colts owner, but they just can't win over there. So it's really tragic. and, And let's be clear, too. They lost that game. And the Jaguars lost the other 15 games on their schedule. They went one and 15 last year. The only win they had was at home against the Colts. So, yeah, I I agree. This was a Colts season that was doomed in many ways because of the injuries, because of the COVID and all of that. Look, we're in a pandemic. There, There are a lot of excuses to be made, and some of them are very good. There's no excuse to just lay an egg to the Jaguars. Jacksonville hadn't scored more than 23 points the entire season. So this is Carson Wentz, terrible in this game. Wentz lost a fumble. He threw interceptions on back-to-back throws, one that could overturn. He took six sacks, but the whole Colts were terrible. They had 233 yards, four of 12 on third down, one of three in the red zone. They lost the turnover battle, two nothing. They gave up 26 to the Jaguars, who had only had 23 or less every game the whole season. Trevor Lawrence, rookie quarterback, in a playoff game, basically, Trevor Lawrence had thrown two touchdowns the last nine games and throws two today. This team, the Jaguars just lost 50 to 10 last week, 50 to 10. You got to beat that team and make the playoffs right before that Jacksonville lost to the Texans and the Jets in case you weren't sure just how bad they are Jacksonville instead first team since 1978 to win twice in one season as 14 point underdogs. Remember, they beat the, the Bills 9-6 to six in that weird game, too. So just, just an awful way for the Colts to head into the offseason. It's going to be make for a good Hard Knocks episode. I guess we got that coming for us. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. 
So the Colts loss, as that one is locked up, means that the Steelers-Ravens is a de facto playoff game. We thought it almost wasn't the way that the tie almost happened on Sunday night, but we thought Steelers or Ravens is basically a playoff game. That one is close. Not the most exciting game in the world. Typical Steelers-Ravens game, always close down to the end. That one is another one that goes into overtime. And Big Ben checks down all the way into field goal range over and over on the check down. Najee Harris, a couple of big plays. Steelers kick the field goal 16-13 and get the overtime win. Yet another Steelers-Ravens game that is within three points or less. Yet another cover in one of those where the Steelers were underdogs. We talked about that all year. And where the line was three and a half or more. Yeah, I always take the underdog in this one. So this is basically exactly like we thought was going to happen in this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, this was an old school football game. And when I'm watching this game, I just didn't understand how the Ravens weren't blowing his team out. Look, I mean, you get the turnover in the first half, the fumble, and it's in Baltimore territory. Still let's kick a field goal. And it just felt like they, they kept finding themselves in situations to where they could score, but it, it felt like the Steelers just couldn't move the ball. The Ravens, they're moving the ball, but they, they either stall out on drives and we end up with a 3-3 tie at the end of the first half. I put it out on Twitter. The Ravens are dominating in every facet of the game. Yards per play, first downs, rushing yards, passing yards. If this was anything but Ravens versus Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> possible last possible game, I'm unloading on the Ravens. And what happens? Right after halftime, you have the Ravens come out and they pretty much take control of the game with a long touchdown run. And it felt like they were on the verge of dominating this game and putting it completely away. Somehow, the Steelers just battled their way back into this game. And it's it's just one of those games where you have a divisional battle, both teams know each other, and they just find a way to, to keep it close. Yeah, look, so here's the drive chart for the Steelers in their season-saving win against the Ravens. Are you ready? It's ugly. Here it goes. Three and out, field goal, interception, punt, three and out, three and out, kneel down. Now we're at halftime. Field goal, three and out, punt, touchdown, four and out, kneel down, field goal. Game winner, walk it off, go home, hit the playoffs. It's not going to be a long stay in the playoffs for these Steelers. We got another underdog spot, and they're going to keep staying underdogs. Tyler Huntley, not his best game here. Negative 0.35 EPA per play is a rough look for our guy. He, he did what he could. The Ravens did what they could. The poor Ravens. The Ravens were 8-3 and three and end the season on a six-game losing streak with losses by 1-2, one, 1-1, one, one, and now in overtime by 3. Our friend, we've talked about this before, our friend uh, had the Baltimore missing the playoffs like a month ago. They just couldn't get over the line. They, they pushed all the way. I give a lot of credit to John Harbaugh just for even giving them a shot here, but they, they just didn't have enough. Yeah, I mean, we actually talked about it on this podcast multiple times. We, we spoke about Baltimore could possibly miss the playoffs, but I mean, when you look at this game, honestly, this game was decided on the interception. The Ravens are up 10-6. to 6. They're driving, and you get the interception – and that pretty much changes the game. I, I think if the, I think if the Ravens score right there, this game is pretty much over in the third quarter. 
they go three and out once again. <laughs> you got multiple punts, and then the Steelers eventually just get a touchdown, and the Ravens need to actually kick yeah. a field goal in order to really get it into overtime. But it just it felt like this was a microcosm of the Ravens season. It just felt like they were competitive yeah. in so many different games without Lamar Jackson, and they just lost these one-score games. Earlier in the year with Lamar Jackson, they were winning the one-score games. With Tyler Huntley, they're just not winning them. I mean, they had the one-score game against the Rams, which they probably should have won. We had the one-score game against the Packers. They were in these games. So, I mean, I think Baltimore, they're going to bounce back next year. This is a good organization, but you got to have yep. your star quarterback. Yeah, one other thing I'll comment on. We talked about the, uh, the game theory of the overtime in a couple other games. So in this game, we knew that both teams are eliminated if we end in a tie. So I loved that the Steelers made the clearly correct decision fourth down with about three minutes left in overtime near midfield. And Pittsburgh is not a play to win team with Ben Roethlisberger, very play not to lose. They made multiple other decisions like that earlier in the game. You got to go for it there because you punted away. You're basically just conceding the season. They make the right call. They get the first down to Ray Ray McLeod and then kick the field goal a few plays later. So good process there. Credit to Mike Tomlin. We rip on the guys when they make the bad decisions. So we can give them some credit when they get one right. Uh, let's uh, let's hit the rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 18 and the regular season. Saturday, I forgot we had games on Saturday. The Chiefs blew two leads, but held on to beat the Broncos 28-24. Denver did get the cover, but had a second straight over to finish the year. Vic Fangio got his walking papers on Sunday. So Denver will be looking for a new coach and probably a new quarterback next year. Cowboys ran it up on Philly's backups in the nightcap. They hit the overall on their own, 51-26 romp. Dak Prescott, five touchdowns. On Sunday, the Titans held on for dear life to escape 28-25 over the Texans and clinch maybe the most shambolic one seed that I've ever seen before. Houston covered the spread and got the game over late. They pushed the Titans all the way, but the Titans just were good enough on third down in the red zone to get over the finish line and get that by, whatever it takes. The Dolphins scored on their first drive, then got a pick six and never really looked back from there. Patriots fall in Miami yet again late in the season. It's the one place Bill Belichick can't win. They lost the turnover battle, 3-0. Rough one for Mac Jones. Bad, bad beat for the Patriots. Second half betters. If you had passed minus four, you are still sick over that last play. It's a three-point game. We got the old lateral it around and try to do something crazy. And with zeros on the clock, the Dolphins get the defensive touchdown to grab that cover. Isn't that how that play always seems to go? I'm sure Scott Van Pelt will be talking about that one. The Jets managed a whopping 53 yards on 46 plays in their game. I honestly thought it was a typo when I looked up the numbers. 53 yards all game, four first downs, one of 14 on third down. And somehow the Bills were only up 13 to 10 in the fourth quarter, but ended up covering and winning the division anyway. The Saints did their part to make the playoffs, pile driving the Falcons 30-20. wasn't that close. New Orleans was in the red zone six times just in the first half alone. Taysom Hill went out. Trevor Simeon came in, got the job done. But the Saints had their hearts broken by the Niners in that overtime win, knocked them out. The Panthers got an early lead, but the Bucs were true to their word and pushed all game rolling into the postseason with a 41-17 cover and over. Tom Brady, over 300 yards, three more touchdowns. 
led the league in both yards and touchdowns at age 44. Maybe, maybe some outside help for my MVP ticket on Tom Brady. The Bengals backups got a late touchdown to cover the spread in Cleveland, but the Browns got the win. Rough one if you had the over there. Cincinnati got the touchdown late, but then missed the two-point conversion, and we went under by half a point. The Lions got the upset over the Packers, who did play their starters for a half, but gave the game away late. Detroit won 37-30, got the cover and the money line win plus 165, but they cost themselves a number one pick in the process. We'll see how that turns out. The Vikings outscored the Bears 28-3 in the second half to end Matt Nagy's time in Chicago, no doubt. And please, God, hopefully not extend Mike Zimmer's time in Minnesota. Patrick Peterson's pick six late hit the over as the Vikings got the cover. The Giants got their first touchdown from a wide receiver since October, a garbage score in the final quarter to avoid an embarrassing home shutout to Washington. Jake Fromm had a pick six, and the Giants tried a quarterback sneak on third and nine inside their own five before punting because why not? Joe Judge is trying to get himself fired at this point. Washington wins and covers. And somehow the Giants proved themselves the actual clown show between these two godforsaken franchises. Offseason for both of them. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to our playoff picture. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, so no Monday night football. Instead, we're talking playoff picture. Let's set the stage here. Let's start in the NFC. So in the NFC, the Packers are the one seed. They're off next week. The two seed is the Bucks. They will face the Eagles. We got Cowboys, Niners. Cowboys are the three seed. And then the Rams, Cardinals in the four or five. What are your first instincts looking at that NFC playoff picture, Raheem? I think when you look at the NFC playoff picture, it's pretty clear that things go through Green Bay. Lambeau is a tough place to play. They get the bye. As we always say on this podcast, the best way to make it to the Super Bowl is to have that bye week. We all know how those bye week teams perform in the divisional round and how they perform in the, in the, in, in the championship game. So I think things go through, through them. 
But I, when you look at the NFC, all of these teams are flawed. I think any one of these teams has a shot. So I'm I'm really excited to see what happens. I, I have a few teams that I'm I'm kind of leaning towards. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, to the game that I've really got my eye on for this round, and now we're going to come back to this one in the hot read. I'm really watching the Cowboys 49ers. The Cowboys are your team. They were a team that I mentioned as a Super Bowl sleeper before the season. The Niners are my team now. The Niners are the team that I just wrote about last week as coming into week 18, a possible team to make a Cinderella run to the Super Bowl, maybe win the Super Bowl. Again, if the matchups switch a little bit here, Cowboys, Cardinals, Rams, Niners instead, pretty easy reads for me. I like both the not the Cardinals and not the Rams. Instead, I, I like the Cowboys and the Niners both. These are both teams that in an open NFC, I wouldn't be surprised to either one of those teams make the Super Bowl. But right now, one of them is going to get eliminated in the first round. Uh, the Cowboys defensive line is definitely a Super Bowl defensive line the way that they're playing. But, you know, that matchup is a real key because I think that the team that's most dangerous to the Packers is actually the 49ers. That's part of why I like the Niners futures here. I had them at plus 2,500 to win the NFC, plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl. Heading into today, those numbers now at BetMGM are down to plus 1,400 to win the NFC, plus 2,500 Super Bowl. So I don't like the Super Bowl number there at plus 25 when you can get the 14 to 1 on NFC. I do still like that NFC number because that same thing we saw today, the Niners can run the ball and win the run game. That's even more important in the playoffs. And all of these NFC teams really are struggling to stop the run. Packers are bottom five run defense. That's a problem the Cowboys have. The Bucks have not been as strong against the run lately. And we don't believe a lot in the Rams or the Cardinals. So if the Niners win as the sixth seed, I don't see the Eagles beating the Bucks. So now the Niners go to Green Bay, and that's a prime upset spot. If the Cowboys get that win instead, now the Packers are going to get the Rams or Cardinals, and that's a much, much better spot for Green Bay in that spot. Now Aaron Rodgers is sitting in the NFC Championship, hosting at Lambeau, and you got a great chance to get there. So the Cowboys-Niners game, to me, is the pivotal one that will kind of determine where this bracket goes, I think. Yeah, I do think it's the pivotal one, and I think it has a lot to do with the 49ers. I think we both like the 49ers. We're both high on them, on their ability to run the ball, and they have a dominant pass rush. So I'm not that high on the Cowboys. And I think the one thing that stands out to me is that since Dak Prescott has returned from his injury in week nine, I'm just going to exclude week 18 just yeah. because playing an Eagles team that just didn't play anybody. The Cowboys are 16th at EPA per play. They're 21st in success rate. It's just like this offense really hasn't been. Done. Yeah, it's just not going to get the job done. They're also 19th at dropback success rate. And look, we know this passing offense has been struggling, but the run game hasn't even been the same. They're 26th in rushing EPA per play. They're 27th in rushing success rate. You got Michael Gallup out. So that just takes one more weapon away from this offense. The running game isn't, it hasn't been dominant. So you saw them against the Arizona Cardinals where you got a bottom five run, run defense and you can't capitalize it. And we just saw what Seattle did to that same run defense this week. So this is an offensive-minded league. And if your offense is struggling, it, it's tough for me to take you seriously. And then, obviously, I don't think Mike McCarthy is out coaching anybody, any one of these coaches. And I mean, that includes Cliff Kingsbury. And we all know how Matt Mitchell feels about him. But 
they could arguably have the worst coach in the NFC playoffs at this point in time. So as much as I love my Cowboys, and they are my <laughs> favorite team in professional sports, I'm not that crazy about them. Yeah, Dak Prescott is 0-3 against the spread in the playoffs too. So it, it does start to set up for a hot team in the Niners, a very good team that is going to be a tough matchup. Could be another one of those dream cowboy seasons that peaked too early and ends on that first playoff game. So we'll talk about more about that one in our hot read. Let's look at the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. We mentioned them. They somehow got the one seed. They got the bye week. The Chiefs are the two seed. They play the Steelers, just demolished Pittsburgh only like three weeks ago. The three seed is the Buffalo Bills. They will play the Patriots now. That was a, a tough loss for the Patriots today. Drops them down that slot there and makes a much worse matchup for them. And then the Bengals and the Raiders are the 4-5. That will be our opening playoff game on Saturday, a very Saturday afternoon opening playoff game, if i ever seen one. We have so many games that we've seen before. Like, yes. I mean, these are repeat games. I mean, the Bengals played the Raiders earlier this season. Pretty much, pretty much dominant win. Bills and the Patriots are playing for the third time. The Buccaneers and the Eagles are playing for the second time. It's just we got a lot of repeat matchups. We got the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. So this is going to be an interesting playoff weekend because we actually have priors to go off for. Off yeah, the Cowboys, we can actually go back and watch some tape. Yeah, the Cowboys, uh, Cowboys game against the Niners is the only new matchup that we haven't seen this season. We had two divisions and then three others that have played each other. So, yeah, the, the Bengals Raiders, certainly not a playoff game I had on my bingo card for the season. I didn't have either of those teams even close to the playoffs coming in. So again, for me on this bracket, that three, six matchup is the kingmaker. So I've got my on bills Patriots because the outcome of that one, I think drastically swings how this bracket goes. So I like Buffalo in the AFC because of the matchups. I think Buffalo showed a few weeks ago that they're the better, more talented team than the Patriots. And now that's who they're playing. And the bills really, they built this roster to beat the Chiefs. And they did that earlier in the season. They they built their defense. They built the way that they play to beat the Chiefs. And so what happens with the Bills? If the Bills win against the Patriots, then Buffalo goes and plays the Chiefs. Maybe they're the team that can knock the Chiefs out. I think they might be the only team that can really knock the Chiefs out, barring something crazy. But if the Patriots win instead, the Patriots, as the sixth seed, probably go to Tennessee. And you better believe, like, I'm all over New England in that game at Tennessee. They better not be giving Tennessee points on that one. Have you ever had a team get a bye week and then not be favored at home? Because uh, we, we might have that in that scenario. And I think that if New England can beat Buffalo, the Patriots, as bad as they look today, it's Bill Belichick. The defense is very good. Let's not overreact to one game. Would they, they let it get away a little bit, but it's fine. They were in the playoffs already. Patriots plus 900 at BetMGM to come out of the AFC. There are some flawed teams here. I don't believe in the Titans. I don't believe in the Steelers or the Raiders. I don't really believe in the Bengals. If the Patriots knock out the Bills in their first game, they're really a Chiefs win away from me getting to the Super Bowl. So I think the Patriots are an interesting number there. We don't really get them at a plus 900 usually, but they could be alive. Do you think I'm crazy? I do think you're crazy. I, I just, I can't back Michael McCorkle uh, and just in his first playoff scenario, I just, I'm not that high on this team. I, I think to me, I don't even see them going into Buffalo and winning that game. The first game against Buffalo, 
I had a lot to do with the incoming weather that you saw and the winds and everything like that. But if they're, if they're forced to match point for point with Josh Allen, and obviously Josh Allen has had his struggles turning the ball over, but I, I'm not seeing it, honestly. And I just don't see the, the Patriots winning multiple road games with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, that, that's very fair. It's going to be a tough one. But to me, mm-hmm. after the Chiefs and the Bills, I think the Patriots could be alive. And as much as I've dumped on them all year, if the bracket breaks right, and it might now, the Titans could have a shot here. Yeah, because... I was about to say, actually, I, I, I think the Titans are more live than people realize. Yeah. And if they get Derrick Henry back, I think they're scary. Because I, I, when you have a team who can run the ball, and obviously they, Derrick Henry hasn't changed things that much. But obviously you got a healthy A.J. Brown. You got Julio in the lineup. You have a team with an identity. And the defense has been playing a lot better. So when you have a first-round bye, I think that gives you an advantage over other teams. So like you said, depending yeah. on how the matchup breaks, I think they have their lives to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, and again, to me, that's where that 3-6 matchup becomes really important because if the Patriots win – now the Titans probably have to beat the Patriots and Bill Belichick and then probably the Chiefs. I don't see the Titans winning both of those, but if the Bills win, now the Bills and the Chiefs, the two really good teams you don't want to play, and one of them is going to knock each other out, and the Titans get to sit at home as a rested team and play the Bengals or the Raiders. That's looking pretty good if you're Tennessee to beat the Bengals or the Raiders, and now you're hosting the AFC Championship game. I still don't like them there, but you're one game away from the Super Bowl at that point. So I don't know that I would call the Titans dangerous per se, but they're they're not so far away. As much as we've dumped on them, the the schedule, the way that this four or five matchup goes, if they, they can get the Chiefs and Bills on the other side of the bracket there, if they keep winning, the Titans are going to have a real chance here. So Saturday, the Titans are just probably one of the weirdest teams that we've ever seen because yeah. I mean, look. We forget that the Titans actually beat the Chiefs 27-3 one week after beating the Bills 34-31 on Monday Night Football. So this team has wins against quality competition. Obviously, they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Bills, they beat the Rams, and they have losses against (laughs) the Jets. So it's just like this team plays up or down to the competition. They even beat the 49ers. So this team, I I don't think we can count this team out. And I I think depending on the price, there's going to be some value in it. Yeah, I had Tennessee as six and two against playoff teams, except that the six included two wins against the Colts. So now they're down to four and two against playoff teams. But we know the Colts are good, so we shouldn't discount those wins as we're thinking about that. However it works, Tennessee is getting the job done against some of these teams. So we'll see what happens. They're off next week. Here's how it sets up. Saturday, we got Cincinnati and Raiders kicking it off. We got Buffalo, New England in the night game. Sunday, we got three games. Tampa in the early one, Dallas, San Francisco in the afternoon. Chiefs and Steelers, we save for the night game. I'm not really sure why we chose that one. And then Monday night, our first ever Monday night playoff game is Rams-Cardinals. So that is the week that we have to come. As we're looking at that week of games, let's head to our hot read and get one pick each on the record for the wild card round. Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! You and I both love the same team here, and this shouldn't be a surprise if you've been listening. Raheem, what's your hot read for the wild card round? I like the San Francisco 49ers. I believe this line is at plus three, plus three and a half. I think you want to wait this one out, though, because the public is going to be all over the Cowboys. They're seen as a lock. Obviously, they're coming off a dominant 
win over the Philadelphia Eagles who really didn't play anybody. Look, this, this Cowboys defense is just, it's obviously been one of the best in the league. You look at the third EPA per play, third of success rate. But I'm not impressed with this offense. I gave you the numbers earlier. Weeks 9 to 17, 16th in EPA per play, just 21st in success rate. The run game is struggling. The passing game is struggling. And I just think this 49ers offense, they can control the clock. They can run the ball. They have a dominant defensive line. I think Kyle Shanahan is the more creative play caller. He's probably the best better head coach in this matchup. So I'm going to wait this one out and I'm going to be looking to take the 49ers at the, the most inflated line I can possibly get. I'm looking to play them on the money line too, because I think they're going to win this game. You know, Raheem is confident when he's playing the money line on the underdog. And I'm with you on this one. I've said a lot about the Niners. I've got an article up at actionnetwork.com. You can read about my position on the Niners futures here. This was part of the reason I like them in this matchup here. Kyle Shanahan as an underdog for his career. 25 and 17 against the spread, 60% cover rate. So it's been a good spot for him. You don't want him as a favorite. He's not going to be a favorite because they're going to be playing on the road in the playoffs. So that's part of what you like here. I agree. Big coaching advantage. We talked about this too. The Cowboys for the season are below average running the football on DVOA and below average stopping the run. And that's what the Niners are elite at. Dallas is not good running the ball anymore, but doesn't seem to realize it and just keeps trying. Ezekiel Elliott's not coming through for them. I think they're going to waste a lot of plays trying to establish the run and play Cowboys football. It's not going to work against this Niners defense. The Niners are going to gash them with their run game. And I just think it's a great spot for them. One other reason I agree with you on why to wait here, though, I want to make sure Trent Williams is out there. Trent Williams is the MVP of this team. Him and George Kittle, not Jimmy Garoppolo. I care much more when the news came out today, Sunday afternoon, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. Oh, by the way, Trent Williams is out. You get the wrong headline on that one. Trent Williams matters a lot more to me than even which quarterback in this game. So wait it out. Let's make sure Trent Williams is playing. I think that he will, but we don't know yet. So I want to wait and see on that one as well. You want to get above the key number, but I think it will stay above that because we know Dallas is going to get the money. And as I said before, Dak Prescott, one and two in playoff games, 0-3 against the spread. It's a Cowboys thing. This is America's team. That line is going to be inflated. Garoppolo is actually two and one against the spread as well. So I'm with you. We like the 49ers. I'm sorry it has to be against your guys, the Cowboys, but it's a really good spot for San Fran. Yeah, I think we're in agreement. At the end of the day, I love my Dallas Cowboys, but I love my bankroll more. <laughs> there was a scene, and I think um, I think it's a Bronx tale where he's uh, he's talking to the kid, and it's just like, look, Mickey Mantle makes hundred thousand dollars a year. Why are you sad that the Yankees lost? At the end of the day, that's kind of how I feel about this. Look, the Cowboys don't pay my bills, so I'm loyal to my bankroll. So the 49ers <laughs> go out there and crush them, and I got money on the 49ers. I'm a happy man. That's right. Well, it's, but I, I got my NDSU North Dakota State sweatshirt on. I made all my money I needed back in my Bison, our ninth national championship in 11 years. Luckily, I do not need to bet on my Vikings. We are safely out of the playoffs in this one. My hot read, I like the Niners too. That probably would have been my first pick. But since you got that one, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I like Tampa Bay a lot against the Eagles. It's a lot more fun having these seven seeds in the playoffs. They're not very good though. The Eagles are fine. They're not good. The Eagles started out three and six. They finished six and two, but against two. Washington twice in the COVID mess. The Giants twice, who are probably the worst team in football at the season end. And the Giants won one of those games. 
Uh, the Eagles play at the Jets. They play at the Lions. If you look at playoff teams, the Eagles are 0-6 against teams that made the playoff field. Minus, or They've lost the game by 12 points per game in those six playoff team games. So one of those, of course, was against the Bucks, 28-22 on a Thursday night back in October. But it was 28-7 with 20 minutes left. Bucks were absolutely dominating. Eagles got a couple touchdowns in there, but they had a touchdown after a 45-yard defensive penalty, and the Eagles had a touchdown after a 50-yard defensive penalty. And that was basically all the Eagles did. 399 Bucks yards to 213 Eagles yards tells the story there. 40 minutes to 20 minutes time of possession. Those penalties are the only reason it was close. That line was minus seven, and it was in Philly. To me, that means this line should easily be double digits, should be like 12 or 13. I grabbed it at seven, seven and a half when it first came out. I think now it's at eight and a half or nine. I still like it. I like the Bucks. I don't think the Eagles have much of a chance, and we know it's a run team. So once the Bucs do get their lead, this is not a team that is going to be able to pass on the secondary and close the gap. So I think Tampa is going to get a pretty easy win here. Yeah, I'm not mad at this pick at all. I mean, obviously, Jalen Hurts has been banged up a little bit, and it pretty much took a miracle for this team to cover the last time they played. And we all know about the Buccaneers' road struggles. They're at home, so that won't be an issue here. The one question I do have for you is how much are you concerned about the Buccaneers without Chris Godwin, without Antonio Brown? Do you think that makes a difference? I think it makes a difference, just not this week. I'm concerned about the Bucs. I, I wonder exactly, you know, are we still living off of what this team did on last year's playoffs? Like big picture, I have some concerns. This is the Eagles. This is just not, a, this is not the team that's going to push them. They don't have the passing game to hurt that those corners that have been injured all season. Mike Evans, I, I was worried when he got hurt today, but he came back and he got a couple touchdowns. I have worries about Tampa Bay. I would like them in the NFC if I didn't have those worries, but I don't have worries about this game here. Uh, the other hot read that I thought about doing that I still like here, I like the Chiefs up against the Steelers, same sort of thing. We saw this, them blow the Steelers out. We know I've been back in Pittsburgh as an underdog all season, but I think, you know, we saw last year Drew Brees made the playoffs and then retire in a pretty rough fashion. I remember the old Dan Marino game against the Jaguars. 62 to 7. 62 to 7. That's right. You remember the score too. I think that's what we're going to get from Big Ben here. I think I think the Chiefs are going to put him in mothballs and uh, maybe make the Steelers fans sort of wish that Sunday night actually ended in a tie and they could just go out thinking about all the wonderful things Big Ben did these last couple of weeks. I think it's going to be ugly. So... Uh, you know, those are the two seven games. I just like the two seats there. They're just far better teams. They were the favorites all season. Uh, congrats to Pennsylvania. You got your teams into the playoffs, but I think it's going to be a very short stay for both. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think you got to be looking to play the Chiefs in any manner that you can possible. Like, and I, I'm typically not a fan of teasing down from 12 and a half down, but I think this is a situation where I think it warrants it. Like the Steelers, they can't stop the run. Look, even on that fourth and eight that we saw today, it felt like Big Ben was lucky to get the ball eight yards down the field. That's <laughs> so like a Hail Mary, basically. Yeah, so it's just like, I, I just think they're in a bad situation. Great that they put up the effort to get Big Benjamin into the playoffs in his final year, but yeah. they're going to get taken into the deep waters and drown, as I always say. So I really like that pick. I don't know if I trust the Rams to be laying four and a half points. I didn't list this stat earlier when we spoke about the 49ers game, 
But Stafford versus winning teams are 31-50 and two. That's 38% against the spread. That includes the loss against the 49ers. Against on the money line, the 20-26-57, that's 31%. So this line is going up to four and a half. And I'm going to be looking to probably take the Arizona Cardinals in this matchup. I know it's Cliff Kingsbury on the other opposite end, but these are two divisional teams, team that, teams that know each other. Kyler Murray is going to be able to negate some of that pass rush with Aaron Donald and Von Miller because of his ability to run the ball. And I, I like their chances in this one. So that's a dog that I'm looking at early. All right, a couple underdogs for you. We will talk about all these matchups more on Friday, of course, when we get to our other podcasts this week. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Don't forget to rate and review both Apple and Spotify now. If you could, please, five stars. Give us those ratings and reviews. We'll have the same podcast schedule all throughout the playoffs still. So Raheem and I are here Monday morning to talk about all the games from the weekend. Ducking Raybon Wednesday nights to get you with their NFL six-pack betting guide. Raheem and I are back Friday. A little bit different format. Basically, we'll just go through the playoff plate and talk about all six games. We got a little preview there, but we thought about them. We'll have more for you, I'm sure, on Friday. Get you ready for the playoff weekend. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We're on to the playoffs.